We followed in Amy Schumer's footsteps and tried to get Vladimir Zelensky on the podcast. He wasn't available, but we one-upped them. We got Will Hopkins Powers talking Oscars right here on Haven't Seen It. Haven't Seen It with Tim Sestita and Tommy Tevney. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. We appreciate you listening. And we got a special one for you because we're not watching just one movie this week. We're watching a whole bunch. It's Oscar seasons, folks. And we're excited to talk about it with you. And we even brought on a special guest, as I alluded to before. Will Hopkin Powers join us. Will, welcome. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here to establish uh, objectively correct opinions about movies. These are the right opinions. Other ones are wrong, just to be clear. <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad to hear it. Tommy, how you doing? Good, good. We just saw Evil Dead 2, which uh, unfortunately is not up for an Oscar. So, you know. well, It came out like 40 years ago. So yeah, oh, yeah. You just, be a little just a tough. Continuous, continuous Oscar right there. Just every year, you're like, yeah, Evil Dead 2. Remember, that was a great movie. <laughs> You just, oh. I mean, I do agree with the opinion of like the Oscar should be held like five years later. Like, let people soak in the movies of the year and then make a determination on it. Like, I've heard that to like, well, yeah, but then at that point, like, people are gonna like forget what the movies from five years ago were. It's like, oh, fuck, I got to watch like, uh, what was even an Oscar nominee from five years ago? Get Out. Oh, Get Out was good. Yeah, yeah, okay, you got me there. Get Out's still great. I mean, prove me wrong immediately. <laughs> well, you know, that's what I try to do on this podcast, Tommy, yeah. is literally prove you wrong. That's exclusively <laughs> my job. Um, so, yeah, we're going to cover some of the bigger categories. We're going to start with Best Picture, work our way through Director, Actor, Actress, Supporting Actor, Supporting Actress, Screenplay, and Adapted Screenplay. It's going to be a good one, folks. We hope you enjoy it. If you do enjoy it, please. Leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. Give us a follow on there as well. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at SceneItPod. It's a growing community. You should really think about joining us. But now, it's Oscar season. Quick editor's note, just wanted to say that we are aware there are some audio issues. We apologize. We still hope you enjoy the episode. And let's get in. Let's start with Best Picture. So just to clarify, the three of us kind of divided and conquered pretty much everything on this list we didn't we all didn't watch everything because we have lives and it's just well it occasionally didn't, we do occasionally yeah outside watching movies i guess i'm speaking i guess i'm speaking for myself yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i still watched like a ton of movies in the past two weeks <laughs> I, i'm speaking for myself here but mr life <laughs> but we we have everything kind of categorized we have everything thing and we're going to start alphabetically with best picture and we're going to start with belfast now if, if it's correct here i'm the only person that saw belfast out of the two of you correct yep no i have not seen it <laughs> so B- belfast is it's one of those it's a very sweet movie and i think what really works in its favor is how it captures a child's joy i always i i think back to it to toy story which is a weird analogy for it 
but I think of Andy from Toy Story. And I always think that he's like the perfect kid for that movie because he is the purest kid that you could have. He runs around, he plays with his toys. He doesn't have any of these like really big problems. And he captures that innocence of childhood that we all kind of look to replicate. In this movie, Jude Hill, who is the young boy who plays Buddy, he's the lead. He really does capture that joy in spite of everything going around him in Ireland. It's set during the beginning of the Troubles in the late six in the late sixties. It's written and directed by Kenneth Branagh, and he this is based on his experience growing up in Belfast and having very like semi autobiographical Robert. <laughs> yeah, I, I think a, I think a little bit. Um, it's it's a gorgeous film too. It's it's mm. black and white, but like the camera movements, the cinematography is incredible. Like when you when the movie starts, it just starts out with like wide shots of Belfast. And then you're closed up on this mural and the camera pans up and it's half in color and it's go, going into black and white. And this is when the street is, you know, the street they live on is normal. There is no war going on. And, you know, he's buddies playing out on the street here. And then all of a sudden a car explodes and the way like the camera just swirls around capturing the chaos while buddies like directly in the middle of the street was fantastic. I, and then it's just a very sweet movie about really heavy subjects because his mom and dad are having marital problems. You have this whole Protestant versus Catholic issue, which is way above a six or seven year old's head. And he just captures the sweet innocence of being like he wants to do better on his math test to sit next to the cute girl in the in the front of the class. Like that's that's his main goal in life. And he talks to his grandma and his grandpa about it. It's a very sweet it, movie in general, just like a very like heartwarming kind of Oscar story that they, they love to eat up the Academy. I don't, I don't, not well, they, in the, not in the, they, not in like a Coda way. Like Coda felt like way more Oscar. This movie felt, of the week almost. <laughs> th- this felt more personal, like and and because of mm-hmm. Kenneth Brockner and like it also like the black and white was like a really cool touch. And whenever they like he's watching any TV, any movies, any it's place. Weird, like, it's weird in general that Kenneth Branagh, like speaking that he directed, like the highs and lows that that guy has gone through, where like, you know, he's up for a fucking like the best picture right here of Belfast. And uh, is he up for best director? I forget. Best director and best original screenplay. Yeah. And then like two years ago, he made the Artemis Fowl movie, which apparently is like one of the worst movies like ever made. And it's just like the highs and like the peaks and valleys yeah. that that guy goes through at all times. It's just like he's one of those weird directors that doesn't have like consistency really to him, where it's like you never know where you're going to get if it's going to be complete dog shit or like, oh my God, this movie's amazing. <laughs> Well, Will and I went to a Stephen Colbert taping, and Will, what did you think when you when you got to like actually yeah, hear him talk? When uh, Kenneth Branagh was promoting Belfast uh, a couple months back, yeah, uh, it is very funny. He does pretty much Shakespeare adaptations are like five hours long. Uh, Belfast was like about ninety minutes long, and yeah. then pretty much whatever he's hired to do, he did a Thor movie. Yeah, he did Thor, which was one of the like weaker MCU movies in general. So yeah. it's just like even then, I guess if you, you take away the special effects for the guy, he's really good. But the second like he has to do like heavy big budget shit, it's just like uh, fuck, fuck your Shakespeare shit, Brana. <laughs> yeah, I think certain guys can really work with budget. I think a lot of guys do, or a lot of directors do better with budget restraints because then they actually have to be kind of creative with what they're doing and they have to work within their restraints and not get too indulgent with themselves. Um, but I really enjoyed Belfast. I, I saw eight out of the 10 best pictures. Nominees. Okay. So w- which two haven't you seen? 
I have not seen uh, The Power of the Dog and Nightmare Alley. Those are the two that I have not. And those are two that I have seen, so I can actually talk about. So well, um, we'll get we'll get to them. We'll get to them, yeah. Tommy. I'm going. Oh, I got eager. I got eager. I I have to retain host control here. I let you go off the rails too much. I I, I gotta I gotta take the reins here. It is my number four out of my favorites. These aren't what I think are necessarily the best, but I think are my personal favorites out of the best picture nominees, omitting two. Belfast is my number four. I it's definitely something I would revisit. It's a really sweet movie. You don't see a ton of movies like this. And I really enjoyed it. So if I had to give it a really soft rating, I'd give it a four to five. I, I, I really enjoyed this movie. Yep. Yeah. And then I guess the next movie we're going to talk about, because I don't want to do two of my movies back to back. We're going to talk <laughs> about Don't Look Up, the Adam McKay film starring Leo DiCaprio, Meryl Streep. Now, did all three of us see this? Yeah, um, I saw it in theaters actually. So it was like you, you're the only. Oh, Will's the only one that has not seen it. So um, speaking about Don't Look Up, is that like in theaters? I don't know. I kind of love those like nihilistic movies. Um, very had like vibes of that movie that Will and I've seen a few years ago. Uh, Seeking a friend, bring on the world. Steve Carell, similar subject matter of just like, hey, like the world's gonna end. And like in this case, I don't know. I I kind of like those like very blunt satire that adam uh, mckay does like pretty much he's not being subtle whatsoever he's pretty much just shouting into the ether of like just like fuck like what the fuck are we doing here with like global warming instead of this time it's an asteroid but movie is great leo has an all-time great last line of the movie for him so not no spoilers well <laughs> but overall it's just like i don't know I, I thought this movie was fucking hilarious and i'm glad that there's a little more of like a straight-up comedy in the oscar race right there I'll give it that. It is refreshing to have something that's a little more comedic, but you could even say that with the other McKay ones, like the big short and mm-hmm. vice, like they're comma dramas almost. Cause like his background is comedy, but now he's transitioned into like dramas. Cause he's even a producer on succession, which I would say is a very funny show, even though it's not a comedy. Yeah. It is funny seeing him and Will Ferrell's name together. Cause that's yeah. it. Like, succession was the end between them and yeah it is funny adam mckay is really the comedy guy who like broke through yeah like like you said he had twice before mm-hmm. one best actor and was up for a bunch of oscars and the big short before that he's the guy who really like broke through and actually got some mainstream kind of more like critical respect yeah yeah like other comedy directors from the time like judd apatel is not doing anything like oscar worthy at this point just more of the sticking to the comedy lane which you know still good at that but not exactly probably gonna win awards like Adam McKay is. <laughs> well, I just think I'm even thinking on Vice, which I didn't particularly care for at the time, and The Big Short, which I did like. Like The Big Short was cool because it handled like very complicated subject matter and explaining the subject matter to the audience in a language that they'll actually they'll get enough of a sense of what's going on to be able to consume the movie. This one just felt like, and, and maybe it's just there's a lot of preaching to the choir going on right now where it was, it just felt, felt if you're not a part of the choir, then you're probably going to hate this movie. I mean, I, I, know people... I didn't hate it. I think it was yeah. funny. I think the performances were excellent. Like Jonah Hill stole that movie. He was yeah, Jonah Hill just put on an all time performance. just like a coked out, like presidential son. It's like um, how, how do we get Jonah Hill back in comedies? Well, we tell him it's a drama and then yeah. make him have, a Hey, you're going to be back with Leonardo DiCaprio. I mean, let's be honest. Wolf of Wall Street is a comedy for being like, Oh, Wolf Wall Street. Yeah, that's fair. It's a straight up comedy right there. 
yeah, it's a comedy drama. It's more, it's yeah, but you have Martin Scorsese running the show versus Adam McKay. It, listen, I'm not, I'm not shitting on Adam McKay here, but let's. The tone it, your system right here. You're like, no, talk- place Adam McKay. We're <laughs> talking about like one of the top five directors of all time, and we're talking about Adam McKay. You know, it's. I yeah. think he would even be on this podcast being like, "Yeah, I'm not Marty. No, like, don't, don't, don't compare me to Marty. <laughs> don't, don't bunch me into Marty, please." <laughs> yeah, it, listen, it it has its moments. It's funny. It's got a lot of great performances. A lot of big stars. It was funny seeing Timothy Chalamet play like a total scumbag skater boy yeah he he was great i mean he had a fucking great 2021 and that movie instead the movie kind of built up energy around him uh right the second he come in um i just liked all like the little um, random cameos you had like tyler perry being in the movie and just putting on like a good spin on like a fox news type's house i mean like i said i'm mckay is not being subtle he's pretty much just like blunt as fuck and if you don't like his message or you don't like his politics and you're not gonna like this movie. so i mean yeah, the most divisive of all the best picture movies. I, I, I don't even think it's politics that has to do with it. I just think it's like it's just preachy. Like you can take like I am for like like global warming awareness. It's just it's it's not that. It's he, not, he's hitting you over the head of a sledgehammer. It, but it's too. It's it's like it's just too. Like I'm watching the Magic the Lakers show that they have on. He's a little more subtle about like the race relation things, especially in comparison to this. Like, he's not even that subtle in that show. Yeah. But compared to the, like, compared to Don't Look Up, it, it, it's it, it's like you're trying to tell a toddler. Yeah. Like it's it's that. He, he, he is very clearly hammering home the point of it. Okay. So I mean, I, yeah, I think I, for me it worked. <laughs> I think I'd give it a three out of five. I I mean it's enjoyable. You'll probably get a couple laughs out of it, but it, I'd I, say like I, three. For me, like 3.5 out of 4. I mean, like, good performances and, like, the message was good. Overall, fun movie. So let's get to one that uh, Will has seen. So. so Yeah, we are. We're going to do one that Will and I actually saw together. Drive my car, baby. All right. Are you people ready for just a real blockbuster American hit? This is a three-hour-long meditation on grief and <laughs> mourning which is uh, also explores the difference between language. It's in Korean, Japanese, and uh, Korean sign language. With some English in there, like With very, very little, English. very little, but it, it's it's tossed in there. Um, yeah. Was this my and favorite? just the best, the best car. The titular car is really, it's the best thing you're going to see. They drive the fuck out of that car? Oh, it's a wonderful that car. Pon- that Pontiac's so baller, man. Like, don't you want that car? Like, I imagine like re- like buying that car on the second market right now. Prices must be insane. Yeah, fantastic movie. This is uh, it is. I mean, it's hard to say without spoiling anything. You can spoil it. Well, it is about an actor who is uh, directing a staging of a uh, Tchaikovsky play. Not Tchaikovsky, uh, Chekhov. Sorry, uh, Chekhov play, and yeah, it is really just phenomenal. One of the one of the best opening title drops of any movie I've seen in years. I literally turned to you because the title drops about forty minutes into the movie, 
and I just turned to Will and I go, did they just, did they just start <laughs> drop the credits? Like 40, like that's so cocky. Like you have to respect it. The first 40 minutes are a cold open. <laughs> but but to, exactly. add, to, to add to it, the, the lead character, I believe is Ryu, right? Was, was the, the lead character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to pull up the, the name, but he loses his wife and, and he had been living with her knowing that she had been having affairs and when he goes to direct one of his plays that he had been performing in as an actor, one of the one of the actors that's cast into the play was one of the guys who had an affair with his wife. And it's about that meditation. And he has a personal driver who was also losing dealing with the loss of her mother, who she didn't have a great relationship with. And it's exploring all those themes. And it's 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 really a beautiful movie. It, listen, a, a three-hour movie about a Japan uh, in Japanese about grief is not going to resonate with a ton of Americans. Um, would, would you say it's like a tough watch as this for someone that hasn't watched the movie? Like, would you say it's like not exactly a fun watch, like on a Friday no, night or something? I mean, not on a Friday night, but like, I mean, <laughs> well, no, I mean, if you go to a theater, what, yeah, what type it, of? <laughs> if you're going to a movie theater, yeah. If if you're trying to watch it at home, just put your phone down and just let the movie try to like be absorbed by the movie. Like you have, you have to be in that mindset of like, I'm going to watch this. You, you, not, yeah. You, you not going half ass this movie. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not, a, I'm going to have this movie on kind of movie just to, yeah. just to go. I mean, well, it, yeah, you can say about most of these movies probably on this list. No, no. Well, so. well, well, we'll get into that a little bit later with you, Tommy, but I would, it, it, I, in my personal favorites of the eight best pictures that I, saw i drive my car is three but i did put an i put an asterisk on my notes if you can yeah. see it and i Annotated said it's, your notes or anything like that i just wrote I, best picture and best actor that's all <laughs> i did my, my notes are very sparse in comparison <laughs> i i yeah my, well i mean there's literally just eight numbers and eight and names will, will, will came with like bullet points right oh here. i'm trying like <laughs> notes for every category here yeah, tell yeah. us just your first podcast without telling I mean, us your first podcast. <laughs> while we're on Drive My Car, Drive My Car, I'm going with Best Adapted Screenplay. This is taking from a uh, Japanese short story, a short story by a Japanese author, and turned into a, uh, yeah, like we said, three-hour-long, hundreds-of-page script. Uh, just incredibly dynamic story. And then also in Drive My Car, uh, best supporting actress. Well, we're gonna get that. We're gonna okay. Get that. Okay. Yeah, we're, right. we're gonna get the yeah, best. You're, you're, you're just jumping ahead. Thank you for yeah, doing yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but no, basically, um, from what it seems like this movie is really good. I mean, like this would be. It's good that, like, like I said, there's a good variety of like films coming up for best picture and coming here. I still haven't seen this one, but I will eventually. It's on HBO, right? It's on HBO. So that's that's what's good about like watching all the best picture nominees this year because like more than any other year, they immediately put them on streamers. So like. I've watched, I think, the majority of these on, like, HBO or fucking, like, Hulu or whatever, so, and shout to streamers for, I guess, funding all these fucking movies. I, I want I, I want to say, though, I, I, it was my third favorite of the year, because I'm talking about, like, my what I'm going to rewatch. I hmm. did note this is the best picture of the year, and I'm giving it five out of five stars. If I had to pick what actually earned best picture of the year, it's Drive My Car. Okay. Do, I think it's go- Do I think it's going to win? No, <laughs> no, it did not catch on like Parasite. Like Parasite ended up grossing over a hundred million in the U.S. Like this is, 
this is not that it doesn't have that thriller dynamic that's going to like really capture a general audience but it's a really beautiful movie it captures subjects that a lot of american movies don't even think about touching and exploring as broadly as they do here it's my favorite of the year and i'm really glad that i got to see it in theaters so yeah and then we're going to go on to our next movie which i think is the one that's going to spark the most debate between tommy and i Boon. oh god so this this would be my razzies list if i if i ever if I fucking up to it <laughs> i'll put it that way so I'll, I'll i'll say this i do need to rewatch this movie in a theater given that the visuals of this movie looked good it probably would have looked better in the theater but i didn't find a single compelling character or a compelling plot point in this movie of something that i haven't seen before it was very generic to me and very muted didn't have any humanity to me and I was bored. <laughs> well, we should also note, Tommy, can you just explain your viewing experience of Dune yeah, to the I audience? Yeah, I on a fucking tablet at work, but still, I mean, like, it doesn't change the fact. I don't think a big screen would change the fact that like the characters would suddenly seem like lifelike or real-like to me. And, and roughly, <laughs> how many times did you pause the movie? I, I didn't keep a tracker. Uh, like fucking like, I don't know, maybe like five or something like that to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and how many times just to tell me the movie was bad via text? Um, like a lot. Okay, so so to say that Tommy had a flawed experience. All right, all right, no, but still, so my my point stands is that yes, the visuals look cool. I'm sure they look cool in theaters, but this movie was a fucking snail pace of a bore for me. Well, to, well, Tommy, I just want to say, like, this is it's a really literal adaptation of the 1968 book Dune. So all of those tropes that you're like, oh, I've seen them before. Right. But it came from a lot of them came from. That yeah, book. but I don't give a shit. It's still a generic piece of shit 60 years later. But it's not it's not generic. <laughs> that, that, that's what it came off. It, of me. it just came off of like, oh, like Timothy Chalamet is the chosen one. And uh, oh, he's like the one that's going to save and like, bring United to these two warring factions. Something to happen. It's like. I've seen this fucking movie before. I don't really like those types of movies all the time. Anyways, Star Wars being the exception. Well, Star, Star Wars isn't sci-fi. Star Wars is fantasy with the, in a sci-fi setting. Well, it's like Dune is like sci-fi fantasy. It's not, it's not fantasy. It's it, there's literally 15 minutes of like drawn what? out machinery shots. Well, and... fucking like Sean May's like the prince or some guy and shit. And there's like a king and like, and it's fantasy. It's a fucking high fantasy movie. <laughs> Tommy, sci-fi has high, like you know royal hierarchies in general. It's not so. So, what's the, what, what makes what makes a fantasy movie a, uh, a fantasy movie then? <laughs> I I think it's just like the swift off your adventure and not trying to explain to you what's happening. It's just you accepting what is actually uh, happening uh, on the screen. Like like you you told me issues that you've had with it were like there's a lot of scenes of just straight exposition because they're trying to explain a lot of moving parts and in the book it's a it's chapters of this shit that they're condensing to two minutes in enough sense to just let the audience know what's going on which is what these movies have to do i think it's brilliantly performed i do think there's humanity in it because the the human element of paul is that he's between his father's you know human race and his mother's like dark elven race and being a mix of both of them yeah, and having to figure out the fancy thing <laughs> listen you can call it whatever you want it's fucking like harry potter isn't harry potter like half muggle half wizard or some bullshit 
It's like. <laughs> Are you done? This movie makes me angry. <laughs> Are you done? Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, watch I, it... I, I, I just sit through. Well, I, I guess. I guess watching this movie on my iPad would make me angry too. Listen, it's a beautiful movie. The sound is. The way this... when it called me out, and he was like, "Hey, like." You know, this movie's meant to be seen on the theatrical experience. And I was like, fuck you, I'm gonna watch on my tablet. Listen, I'm not paying 10 bucks for your movie. <laughs> Tommy, if Martin Scorsese was on this podcast, he'd be very, very annoyed with you right now. Do you want to leave that little Italian man down? Like, think about how sad his face would be. He'd just be like squinting at you, Tommy. Tommy. What's that? What do you prefer the amusement park and the MCU movies? <laughs> you, you're not even tall enough to ride the rides. At least I'm not. Okay, come on. You know, I, I cast my oh. parents in my movies, okay? Um, listen, it's a beautiful movie. It's my second yeah. favorite of the year. Uh, uh, it's a, it's an experience. Yeah. It's a true experience. Tommy, you don't like the Lord of the Rings movies, so, like, any of your points on these I kind of movies. Any, all of your points on these. Them. I liked them. I, I just wasn't, wasn't like, oh, like, never really peaked. You just don't, don't, you just don't like Big Adventures. It's okay, man. It's okay. You just don't have to like those kind of movies. Yeah. Four and a half out of five. The I fact that they actually five out of five. the fact Simple. that they the fact that they actually adapted it and made it <laughs> just scared past com- <laughs> comprehensible and made it something that audiences loved, besides Tommy, who watched it on an iPad and was like, Yep, yeah, yeah, I got it. Even though he was like, Should I watch this on my iPad at work? And I was like, No, you probably shouldn't, Tommy, but he did. Let's move yeah. on. So again, 1.5 out of 5 for me. Uh, my least favorite of all the Best Picture winners. Let's Hope move. I never have to see this movie again. Even though you said earlier that you want to see it in a movie theater. But we'll, we digress. We digress. Let's move, on. Let's move on to one of the movies that I have not seen. Nightmare Alley. Okay. So Nightmare Alley uh, is the new Guillermo del Toro movie. Um, and it's a remake. I didn't realize at the time it was a remake of a uh, noir from the 40s, which is, I think, pretty much based on a novel. Yeah, based on a book. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah, this was... I like this one a lot. Mm-hmm. I have to preface it. When I first saw the trailer and I saw it was a Guillermo del Toro thing, yeah. I assumed it was like a monster movie. Yeah. Because it was Willem Dafoe as the carnival barker hyping up the if people have seen the movie The Geek. Mm-hmm. And it made it seem like, oh yeah, it's Game of the Tarot. It's going to be a monster. Like like but no, he made water. this just really classic old school noir movie with uh, Bradley Cooper fucking fantastic as this kind of kind of skeezy guy, which is, I feel like, his sweet spot. He, he have, yeah, yeah. yeah. He he made his living off of being the skeezy guy in The Hangover. Let's be yeah. honest here. He yeah. became a superstar because of that. Uh, and also, case. Kate Blanchett, just perfect as a femme fatale and like an old school noir. And then the rest of the cast, there's Willem Dafoe as an old school carny, Tony Collette, fucking... Uh, Many other people, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Rennie Mara. Rennie Mara, yeah, it's great. And it's one of those movies that like, there's a lot of scenes in this movie that are just... I mean, literally just two characters just telling fucking stories about like fucked up shit that's happened. Like, especially like William. Yeah, really, it's it's pretty long. It's two and a half hours, but he just lets the scenes, yeah, just breathe. It's so much just really fucking great actors just 
talking. Yeah, exactly. One scene um, where Lily William Defoe is telling a story to Bradley Cooper in a bar and just a full-on story. And it comes back in, uh, again, and William Defoe is just yeah. so captivating. I mean, as we've seen in like Spider-Man and stuff like that, this guy fucking is, just has that creepy undertone to them where you listen to him tell a story. He is very charmingly describing the most fucked up thing you've ever heard of. It's yeah. amazing. And you don't even think that it's fucked up until like after the yeah. scene, you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> So, so it sounds like I should I, I definitely want to see this one I wanted to see it it just it didn't happen what would you guys give it out of 5 um, I'm giving it a 4 out of 5 I'm pretty sure I'd give it a 4 out of 5 it was overall pretty good there's a little bit of middle section that kind of dragged a little bit I mean it didn't It didn't need to be that long I felt like it could have cut a little bit it could have cut it down but it's really good everyone is giving 110% and it's just I mean, it's a Guillermo del Toro movie, so he like so thoroughly creates the world of the movie. You just feel like completely immersed in it. Awesome, awesome! I am looking forward to seeing it whenever I do, which may be years from now. Who knows? Anyway, we're gonna brush on this one really quick because we do have a full length episode on this movie, Licorice Pizza. Uh, check out the episode. I haven't seen it. Uh, Timmy and I both uh, love this movie. Um, you know, great 70s hangout vibe with Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, Will see it with us too. I think equal thoughts. Great fucking movie. I love before I came out, like someone, I saw someone online uh, saying it was bad, saying it was like, yeah, it's like uh, Inherent Vice. It's like, oh, so you mean it's fucking great? Yeah, I we don't have to talk too too much. If you really want to hear more of our thoughts, we dive into it much deeper. But I believe I gave that a four out of five. Uh, um, Tommy, I think you gave the same. Um, I, I gave will four point five out of five. That's that's what I said. Uh, thank you for listening. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, um, uh, listen back, licorice pizza. So we come on. I feel like a full hour or something like that. So great movie. Definitely recommend. So yeah, and then I'm gonna touch on this one quick. Coda. Ooh, it's that movie that everybody's like, "Where do I have to watch this movie?" Because it's on Apple Plus or Apple TV or whatever the hell it's called. I don't know. It's on the Apple streaming service, and it went from being like the long shot to win the Oscar to currently being the betting favorite or one of the betting favorites at plus one twenty five, which is very very good odds to win. Now, if I'm correct, I'm the only one that saw Coda out of the... Yeah, so from what you explained to us, was that like in terms of like cinematography, it left a lot to be desired to look like a, a TV show or something? <laughs> yeah, so it, it, shot, it shot like a Hallmark TV show. It, like they didn't put the budget into, the, into that area of the production. It's just very like muted, bright colors. It's not really lively. It's not to say it, there's bad filmmaking in it. Um, the story of it is that the character, the main character, I believe her name is Lucy or whatever is, or Ruby, Ruby, her name's Ruby. She's a child of deaf adults, Coda, and her family's this like fishing family and they're all deaf except for her. And she's kind of their translator, but she loves to sing, man. And she has the struggles of leaving her family behind to pursue her dream of singing or staying around to help the family business. So it sounds like you're like run the mill kind of like a kind of age story. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's very, 
good at that. And, you know, the, the deaf angle is definitely unique and having like really great performances from like deaf actors. Cause we don't, we just, they're just not in a ton of movies. It's just not applicable a ton of time with a lot of sign language. Like it was really Marley powerful. in the movie is like what, like Tona Lester Goddard. What are movies have she like really been in? Though? But she, 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 I mean, she was like the driving force behind getting this movie made. Yeah, no, because uh, I remember hearing that like she uh, said like she was like, uh, one of the first people cast, and she threatened to like walk if they didn't hire deaf actors for the roles in the movie. Which I mean, like shout out to her, that was a great move, obviously. In this movie, I, I still need to see it, but it sounds good. Yeah, uh, who is it? Troy Coaster, who who plays the father he's the guy with the beard and like the the boston red sox hat because it takes place in boston so they have to be bruins fans they gotta be watching hockey in their fishing town he's he was fantastic uh like he was he like if if he wins best supporting actor i i won't i would be happy because i thought i think he was like really great in the movie there's that there's a really powerful scene where She's at her first recital. This is the first time they're actually seeing her sing. And it's, you know, it starts with your traditional just in a gymnasium singing. And then the audio drops and it's complete silence. And it's just from his perspective. And he's just looking around, seeing how people are reacting to his daughter on stage. Because at this point in the movie, she had decided to stay at home to help the family business and to not pursue berkeley college as a as an option yeah and that was like the turning point for him being like she can't do this like just seeing there's somebody crying there are people like clapping just big smiles everywhere knowing that it puts you in like the eyes of that character yeah it it really does and puts you in a perspective of somebody that like that's how they get those kind of receptions like i would i'm not i can't speak for deaf people but i would assume that's a fairly like adept way of how they are able to do to, to understand interpret. interpret what's going on around them yeah so for me i mean it, listen it, it is it a good movie yeah does it deserve to be on this list absolutely i think you know putting exposure to that kind of way of life because it does really focus on the the deaf element and like the challenges that they have to overcome it's the, it's the good thing about representation that it puts you in the world that or puts you in the shoes of another person that you might not be able to experience in that way so absolutely um, but yeah. does does it deserve to win best picture because of that no it does not it, it's a listen it's a three three and a half out of five it's a very enjoyable movie you'll feel great after watching it there's a lot there's a good amount of feel good movies and drive my car on on this list so that that that's a <laughs> the that's two a, opposite <laughs> spectrums of just like either you're gonna be really happy or you don't want to kill yourself after <laughs> which is a yeah. nice fan but listen it, in you should watch it. You should you should enjoy it. It is really well performed. It's 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 got it's quippy dialogue. The dialogue's good. The characters are really likable. It's just it's not enough for me to be like yeah, especially with some of these movies on this list. Well, it me. is funny how like um, on IMDb um, I'm like checking out like one of the movies that we watched on this list. Um, they said other movies you might like. It was like West Side Story, and you might also like Drive My Car, and it's like. Yeah, I don't think a West Side Story watcher is going to want to watch, like, fucking Drive My Car or, like, Don't Look Up. That's, like, depressing, like, fucking end of the world shit. So it's just like, come on, like, just because they're all, both Oscar movies doesn't mean you're automatically going to love them. <laughs> Which is a good thing that there's a good diverse list of just, like, Oscars on uh, these here. So it's not, you're not going to watch the same movie over and over again. <laughs> but speaking of uplifting movies, 
I know Will and I both saw The Pursuit of Happiness 2, a.k.a. King Richard. Will, what did you think of King Richard? It's pretty good. I like it. Uh, Will Smith is... He's okay, but really the best part of the movie is the second half where it focuses more on Venus and the... I really love... I really love fucking uh, John Bernthal as... I'm blanking on his name. The uh, tennis the, coach. The te- Massey or whatever his name yeah. was. The tennis coach. Yeah. Yeah, he was great. It's always good seeing him like a character actor get that much like highlight in a in a fairly prolific yeah. movie He's like that. He's always awesome. I, I'll say I, I think Will Smith was better than okay. Uh, Will Smith is always best in, you know, like really vibrant, lively characters, like friendly, outgoing, like you want to like them right away which Richard is not in this movie. He's a very difficult person. I think Will Smith did a, like, uh, like easily the best performance, in my opinion, of his career that I think. Maybe Ali is a closer second, but I think he like really brought his all in there. I, we'll get to the best actor discussion. I know you, Will, you had told me in the past that you're like, I, I, I'm not sure about him in that position. I'm not gonna be yeah. cry- I'm not gonna be crying home if he wins because he really <laughs> did bring he really did bring home a great performance. Um, I like it. He's he's good and yeah, it's a good performance. It's a great cast. Yeah, and, and it's a great I mean, cast. It works. Yeah, and I was saying to Tommy, I like that for a movie put together like the uh, Williams sisters. Like obviously had a lot to do with the production of the movie. Like it really examines like the dad's like he's not some like just saint thing. It's not like something like Bohemian Rhapsody then, or like yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody just kind of like that's just like scrub patch like anything but Freddie Mercury. Let's just sanitize his life right yeah. there. Or Bohemian Rhapsody when Freddie Mercury is throwing a party and the entire band's there with their wives and they're like, "Freddie, you're throwing your life away, mate!" And like it's like. This they were ju- they were, they were doing just as much main drugs. <laughs> if not, if not, if not, if not more. It, it yeah, was, yeah, let's be real. It, it was, was a clown movie. Brian May and Roger Taylor weren't that fucking uh, like that, clean. <laughs> that that movie also had some of the worst editing for a movie. That one. Oh, Oscar that one for scene best where it jumps back and forth to like the characters at dinner table, and it's just like too many cuts in a row. So, yeah. but, and yet that movie won an Oscar for editing. So it's just sometimes like the Academy, like go oh, fuck yourself. You don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, Tommy. Um, I, yeah, you should listen to me. <laughs> But I, I I would give this another three out of five out of five. It's right there with Coda with me. Uh, you know, they're feel good movies. They're they are enjoyable to watch. Will Smith is great in it. Uh, Angela Ellis as uh, so the wife, Orange Prince, is also fantastic. Um, she 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 really brings it to another level. Like I thought, like like Will Smith had to be acting up to kind of reach her level. Like she felt yeah. a little more natural in the role. Will Smith felt like he, it felt like Tom Cruise and Magnolia, you know, where it's just like, dude, you're trying so fucking hard. Like yeah. he's just she's trying a little yeah. too hard to get there. Yeah. She's so great. Uh, the scene where she confronts the neighbor who like called uh child protective services. Also. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great stuff. So she's great in it. Um, so yeah, that, that's King Richard. And then Tommy, we got to talk about the only movie that you've only seen on this list. The I power of all you guys. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> the, the power of the dog. Thank you for interrupting, Tommy. Uh yeah. 
to, I know it's not this. It's directed by Jane Champion, who's up for Best Director. I know her work does not speak this way, but everything that I heard about this movie just felt like, how can we win an Oscar? Well, you're thinking a little bit too broad, broadly about the movie. Um, it doesn't seem like Oscar Beatty. It's not like fucking like lengthy monologues, but like, oh my God, like this is so like stereotypical and like so like like inspirational or so like messed up. And in a way, Power of the Dog is just a good thriller. And basically what it comes back down to is, uh, yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch is a huge dick. So um, pretty much it's just the effects of like how like one extremely toxic person can just like pretty much destroy family from inside out and uh, seeing how characters just interact with Benedict Cumberbatch and how it just changes them and how like much of a just asshole he is and how much he's like clearly like masking up for insecurities and stuff like that. So this is a movie that, you know, I felt like very, you know, like connected to, I understood a lot about where it's coming from and I liked it. You know, uh, Jesse Plemons was a great Benedict Cumberbatch, like I said, but an excellent dick. Uh, Cody, Mis- uh, was it Cody Smith McPhee, he was great too. So, I mean, like it was just a little bit like interplay and like another movie of just like characters telling stories and just like hearing about it and just like really good character drama interaction characters just being dicks to each other over and over and over again. So overall, I like this movie, uh, I think I give it like 3.5 out of 5. So good. A movie about a toxic family member destroying a family inside out. That reminds me of my second wife. Huh? 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 Oh, wow. That was bad, huh? Yeah, yeah just edit that out. <laughs> I'm not going to. <laughs> it's, it's staying in. <laughs> it's staying in, goddammit. So our last of the 10 Best Picture nominees, West Side Story, the Steven Spielberg adaptation. Ooh. Oh, I got to just say, um, I have to give him a big shout out for slamming Robert Moses. He's one of those people those historical figures who I legitimately despise. If you don't know who Robert Moses is, he's the guy who built all the roads around New York and was the person who was like, no, 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 we don't need mass transit in New York city. It should be a driving city. Great job guy. Really good job. He does slam him subtly in the movie. There's also on the subway, there's an advertisement for playland. Nice subtle touch, Spielberg. I got to give you that. They're heading up to Cloisters. It's there for literally a frame of a second. It's in there for a frame. I was like, yeah. awesome. That was cool. I noticed that. So, um, I, I like I like the movie. So it, it was one of those things that like West Side Story is. I never was crazy about the movie or the musical to, to begin with. I mean, I'll be honest, and this didn't really change in the movie. I'm not really a big fan of most of the songs in the movie. As wild as it may seem, I mean, like I'm so pretty, I'm not really a big fan of. Like, I want to be an American, not really a big, big fan of. Mr. Clump wasn't really a big uh, fan of. So, I'm, despite, oh, we're, we're, I don't remember the song names, but Miss, Mr. Crump, Officer Crumpy, Mr. Clump is, Mr. Mr. Clump is Night Professor. <laughs> so, completely different movie. But, anyways, um, that should have been up for our best picture. Music, uh, Spielberg knows how to fucking direct a musical. Um, there's one scene in this movie where literally characters go into a gymnasium into a dance and the music just swells up immediately on the screen and I literally got goosebumps from it. I can only imagine how much more amazing it was on the big screen. So despite the fact I hate the music, I still like this movie. Uh, not all the music, but I hated some of the songs. Or disliked, I guess. I hate this wrong word. But regardless, it still captivated me. It was a really solid musical. Will, I know you loved this movie. Tell me about it. 
This is a great fucking adaptation. Uh, yeah, the best parts of it are really the supporting cast. Uh, Mike Feist as a riff. Hey, I'm uh, from Brooklyn. You, you hear me? <laughs> just, I mean, yeah. does he sound like John Mulaney most of the time? Yeah, yeah. he sounds like John Mulaney. But he's really fun, great. As is uh, Ariana DeBose as Anita. And yeah, I'm... Fingers crossed, if she wins the Oscar, it'd be the f- only the second time uh, two actors have won an Oscar for playing the same fictional character. The Joker's the other one? No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, no. Yeah, third time then. Yeah. Uh, fucking Robert De Niro and Jesus Christ playing Peter Corlin. Um, uh, oh, De Niro, De Niro and Brando. Brando. It, Marlon Brando. Uh, that's it could, I, it could I, happen this year too. If uh, I mean, I don't think it's gonna happen. But with um, goddamn, what's that goddamn movie with like, Lost Daughter? Because Jesse Buckley and Olivia Coleman are both playing the same character. Jesse Buckley's playing the younger version of it. So it could. I could see Jesse Buckley winning. I don't know if I could see Olivia. We'll, Coleman we'll sa- save it. Save it for yeah. that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I listen. This it's Spielberg. The guy knows what he's doing. Let's not beat around the bush here he's one of the greatest filmmakers of all time i my main critique was just like i feel like he's just above remaking a movie and obviously he's at the point in his career where he can just do whatever the fuck he wants i, yeah, I think he's not he's made like great player one the dude's made uh, like adventures of 10 10 i mean the guy's a populist i mean he's, he's remade even a worse movie um world worlds that's a remake this, this is a uh, second spielberg and remake land which World Worlds, I mean, that movie I, lo- I liked. It was really solid at the time. I haven't seen it since, but I mean, he's not afraid to go hit for the fucking like, stance. Right. Like, but I, I don't think the War of the Worlds, like original, holds up the way that the original West Side Story still holds up because there's still going to be a ton of people that will just turn to that one instead of this one. But it's just have a weird way of aging, like a lot better than any other uh, form of like um, movies. Because like think about another movie from the '60s, like a comedy or something like that. You're probably gonna find something off, but musical still holds. I guess mainly because they keep the same text. It's just, it's the same songs, and it's and it's the chore it's the choreograph choreography, which is or, yeah. I, which is fantastic too, mm-hmm. and it's very cinema. It's very cinematic. I was watching this movie with my mother who does not notice these kind of things. And she's just like, wow, look at that shot. It's beautiful. Maybe I'm rubbing off on her a little bit, but I give this, I'll give this a four out of five. It's an expertly made movie. I just feel like Spielberg could have maybe just done a musical that hasn't been adapted yet. Or maybe instead of doing that stupid thing where they adapted the Hamilton on Disney Plus, like if he just did the Hamilton adaptation, it probably would have been really good. But Lin Manuel Miranda does not have the ego to hand that over. <laughs> yeah, he goes, he's directing that adaptation himself. Mm-hmm. If that ever comes he, he, so, he, he does not have that um, under check. So, fellas, let's ask the question here What do you want to win out of these 10 movies? Well, um, first, before we get into that, uh, just to give my random West Side, I'll give it a three point five out of five. Liked it. Um, but anyways, uh, my so my personal favorite of these ones, and if I were to pick, it would probably be Licorice Pizza. Um, it's a really fun hangout movie that I could see myself rewatching from years and years to come. Will and I in high school used to watch Days of Confused almost nightly because um, we were just obsessed with that movie at the time. It was just a movie where you love the characters, and that's very much the same vibe of that movie and the characters that you love to hang out and see. 
So for me, it would be Liquor's Pizza, but I don't think there's a shot in hell it's going to win. <laughs> I, I would agree with Tommy on Liquor's Pizza. Will, what would be your personal pick to win? I'm picking my favorite. Yeah. I'm saying West Side Story. Okay. Just fucking, I mean, Steven Spielberg directing West Side Story. Of course, it's the best fucking movie. Uh, pick to actually win. I'm taking a hard shot, drive my car, upset win. I, I kind of think Coda has the, the momentum going towards it, and I think it's going to win, which I don't think it deserves. I would really like to see Belfast win because I think it does something very similar to Coda. It gives a similar heartwarming feeling to Coda in an hour and a half, which is just like, oh, man, oh, I love a 90-minute movie. My personal, uh, my thing of why this is going to win, why I think it's going to win is going to be Power of the Dog. Um, Jane Champion's already won like um, Best Director at some festivals um, and some award shows already and this movie I think is having a track record behind it so people really talking about this people really like this um, me being one of them so all right so let's let's go through the next category Best Director we have Kenneth Bragna with Belfast Ryusuke Hamaguchi Drive My Car Paul Thomas Anderson Licorice Pizza Jane Champion the Power of the Dog, and Steven Spielberg, West Side Story. Now, to say we don't have experience filming and being a director is, in, is a vast, vast, fair statement. Um, I mean, it seems like the momentum's on Jane Champion's side. I, I don't think Spielberg has a prayer winning this, personally. Um, I just think he's too well-renowned i just like they like to give this to yeah they like to give it to like the person who hasn't won before or hasn't won like in a while or something like that so the narrative is behind gene champion in terms of like award seasons right now she's coming up off street she won um was the director's guild one where she uh she won recently and so yeah i mean spielberg if i were to pick it would be my choice like i said like literally like the guy had a literally a moment in the movie that was really just characters opening up a door into a dance and somehow it was one of the coolest fucking things I've seen in a movie. So I, I kind of really hope it's Kenneth Bradna. I, I, I think he, I, that movie is way more cinematic than you. Anybody would give it credit without watching hmm. it a, ahead of time. He does a lot in a short amount of time. And he just he, like his work with buddy, the, the, the kid, like to capture that kind of joy hmm. and that like childhood and make it actually effective is, is really difficult. I hope that wins. I think it's going to be Jane Champion. I think yeah. I think a long shot is Paul Thomas Anderson, where people just go, uh, "It's it's his time." It's a good movie, but I mean, like, I don't think of when I think of what the reasons why, I like, uh, you know, Liquor's Pizza. I don't think of the directing. I think more of the characters and the script and just the performances and everything. So again, but, I I think if if he wins, it would be a just like it was your turn kid you know kind of a thing not not a uh no. he's never he's never won best director never wow so, so you know, this, it, this is like one of the ones that's tough or like a lot of these where it's just like fuck like i don't know there there are really no like dead on a lot of years there's like clear like this person's gonna win i feel like this year it's kind of all over the place yeah so um, will what were you thinking for best director I mean, if I'm going with my pick, Steven Spielberg. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. 
I don't know. Jane Campion seemed like she had it going, and then she gave that speech where she randomly like kind of shit talked Serena and Venus Williams. Yeah. Uh, so that might have hurt her. That's kind of base, though. I like that. <laughs> uh, but moving on to best actor, we have Javier Bardem in Being the Ricardos as Desi Arnaz, Benedict Cumberbatch in The Power of the Dog as Phil Burbank, Andrew Garfield in Tick, Tick, Boom as Jonathan Larson, Will Smith in King Richard as Richard Williams, and Denzel Washington as Lord Macbeth in The Tragedy of Macbeth. I just that until five seconds. You want to know what the you know what my dirty little secret is, Tommy? What? I thought the same exact thing. <laughs> <laughs> like holy shit! Like that's one of those like Mandela effect moments where like I was just like, wait, what? What, what the fuck? Tick tick. <laughs> I like, was TikTok boom would make so much more sense. I was I was reading. <laughs> I was we already haven't seen it. I was reading it and I'm like, it should be TikTok, right? Like, but, well, I mean, considering he had AIDS and he was dying of AIDS, tick tick boom probably contextually makes a little more sense. But I think not, none of us have seen that movie. Um, um yeah, Wikipedia, even I, I was like, maybe this is just deadline, but <laughs> it's like, no, it can't be this. Um, but uh, I heard that's a good performance. I maybe we might see it down the road. Um, I guess this is where we talk about being the Ricardos and Will. I think you have a lot of opinions about being the Ricardos. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a horrible movie. It's in, it's insane that it literally in three of the four acting categories, they have a nominee. It is genuinely the worst movie well, I've ever seen. What, what, like, what made it bad though? Uh, it's just really unfunny for a movie about a comedy show and like all like Aaron Sorkin stuff, just very self serious. Just Sorkin is worse right there. Yeah. So, no, like, uh, fucking social network. Yeah, just monologuing. And then randomly, uh, J. Edgar Hoover is like the deus ex machina at the end of the movie that saves the day. It's like, wild, baby. <laughs> that's, almost ba- that's almost so wild that it's kind of almost based. It's not, it's not based, but it's almost based. You know, it's just like, oh, all right, Aaron. Um, I've only actually seen one of the performances here, which is Will Smith. Um, I know he's kind of like a hot button thing where kind of like the Paul Thomas Anderson where it's just like, yeah, if, if you're going to win one, it's probably for this one. And I know from, I still haven't seen the tragedy of Macbeth, but I know Denzel is incredible. I've heard Denzel is incredible with it. Well, same with, movie, same yeah. with, same with Andrew Garfield and tick, tick, boom. I've heard he's like absolutely incredible. I mean, I think it might be Benedict Cumberbatch. I, I don't think being the Ricardos is sniffing anything. Amazon probably campaign. It is funny that I just got all acting nominations and then nothing for Amazon. No screenplay, director, yeah. picture, anything. So, yeah, I, I think it's not going to sniff anything. I, I think Benedict Cumberbatch will walk away with the gold. Does anybody feel differently about that? No, I agree. Um, uh, I'm calling Will Smith legacy, legacy win. I, I actually, after seeing it, I'm not saying it was the best performance of the year, but I'm, he damn tried his hardest and he gave a really That's good performance. I mean, it's been 15 years since his last Oscar nomination. He's probably not going to do another for, role to get nominated for one. Was that seven? Was, was that seven pounds that he was nominated for? No, no, it was, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. 
But yeah, I think Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Power of the Dog, he was really great, uh, great in that movie. He really is the center point of the movie you love. The toxic asshole I was talking about and like, the things he says and the things he does. He brings a certain menacing presence that you wouldn't really expect that much out of fucking... Um, you wouldn't really expect that much out of fucking um, Benedict Cumberbatch right there to be like that menacing. So I liked it. He's really good in that movie. And then we're going on to Best Actress. We have Jessica Chastain as Tammy Faye Baker in The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman in The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz in Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman in Being the Ricardos, and Kristen Stewart in Spencer. I haven't seen any of these, so I guess right, I'll go so fuck myself. So I can myself. talk about a couple of these movies. Um, I've seen um, Olivia Coleman in The Lost Daughter. Lost Daughter is basically a movie... Uh, where the point of it is, yeah, being a parent sounds like it fucking sucks. So uh, basically it's just about Olivia Coleman like on a beach and she's in a vacation resort and just experiencing things. And so basically you find out slowly what happened to her as a mother and her mother is play- young, uh, as a young mother is played by Jesse Buckley. But basically it's just, it's okay. It's a fine movie. She gives some good performances, but it's nothing that really to write home about. Um, but Kristen Stewart and Spencer, she is my personal pick, and she's also who I think is going to win the Oscar. Spencer was a really great movie. Um, really just, like, fell into the shoes of Princess Diana right there and really just, like, had some great monologues, some great moments, some great just dialogue in that movie and just, like, the apathy that she was feeling during that time. And Christian Stewart just really blew me away in that movie. I was really glad to see it, Spencer. So, um, Will, you've seen Being the Ricardos just that, uh, at least. I've seen Being the Ricardos. That's the only one. It's very bad performance, so I'm not going to talk about that. Best actress of the year is uh, Renat V in The Worst Person in the World. Was not nominated for any acting awards, just uh, Best International Picture and Best Original Screenplay. She is, it's a fucking amazing performance. Like, to, to add on to snubs, I thought Katriana Balfe. In Belfast, she plays the mother. Mm. She was so fucking good. I, I don't know if you put her in Best Actress or Best Supporting Actress because the dad's nominated for Best Supporting, but the mom's way more in it. Um, she was so good. Like, she really carries the emotional weight of the movie because the kid's yeah. not going to. And and, and also, I, another snub, uh, Jodie Comer in The Last Duel. Yes, yeah. Oh, I would agree. Just Dude, she was fantastic. She anchors the movie. Like, the movie does not work without her in that the, role. The movie about, comes together during her. Uh, coming up two movies last year, and none of them got nominated for an Oscar. Uh, uh, I mean, did, he, did, like, at least House of Gucci get costumes or something like that? House of Gucci did. Yeah, they got some kind of out of the Oscars, but they got, like, war stuff. Yeah, yeah, so they got at least something, but it's just, like, Last Duel. <laughs> I still haven't seen it, but it's just a movie that pretty much, like, everyone's going to forget about, unfortunately. It'll have like a revival in like 15 years where people are like, that's actually pretty tight. Like century <laughs> French duels. I'm I'm kind of here for it to be honest. Oh, um, why didn't anyone talk about this movie? Oh but, Timmy, who's your pick for best actress? I, I mean, I, I feel like it's probably gonna go to Kristen Stewart. It just feels like this is her one shot. It, from everything I'm hearing, she's one of the front runners from my understanding of it. It would be cool to see. Really her and Pattinson have really gotten over that uh, Twilight hump, huh? Like yeah. that, just like getting Turns out they're both death. good actors. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah, it is cool 
kids who like people who are like younger actors doing these kind of franchises being like, okay, well, I never have to worry about money again. So I'm going to do like interesting shit. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm also going to say, uh, Katrina Balfe and maybe it's just cause I'm a sucker for, for pretty Irish ladies. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just a man and I'm weak to that, but she was fantastic. She was snubbed. Let's go on to best supporting actor. So we have Kieran Hines in Belfast as the as the grandfather, Troy Coaster and Coda as Frank Rossi, the dad, Jesse Plemons as George Burbank in The Power of the Dog, J.K. Simmons as William Frawley and Being the Ricardos, and Cody Smith McPhee in The Power of the Dog as Peter Gordon. So I, I think it's interesting seeing two Power of the Dog Best Supporting Actor nominees because that just apes itself. Yeah, you can kind of see, I don't think either of them are going to win because I feel like they're going to like cancel each other out. Um, but Cody, uh, Cody Smith-McPhee, I keep on fucking up his name, uh, he was, I think, a lot better in Power of the Dog than just, um, you know, Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons had a few good scenes, but pretty much like Cody Muscat, uh, Miss Smith-McPhee was just a really good part of the movie, just really added to it and really just like, you could just feel his like, just disgust towards fucking... Uh, what's his name? Barry Cumbatch for a while, and just you could see just like how he interacted, and how like nervous and like awkward he felt around him and stuff like that. So it was a great performance right there. Um, I think that Troy Castor is probably going to win now. It seems like the heat's coming on him. Yeah, I, I I would say that that he's like the that's easily the award they're going to take away. Will does J.K. Simmons uh, deserve to even be up here? No, it's really who's he playing? Uh... He plays uh, the, what's it called, husband, friend on I Love Lucy, whatever that actor was. William Frawley. Yeah, William Frawley. No, it's so bad. And that's the only one I've seen. So, yeah, I'm going with my best supporting actor, Bradley Cooper in Licorice Pizza. Uh, (laughs) Best supporting actor of the year. I mean, I... Literally comes into the movie and... For like the entire like fifteen minute period, he's in like the picture. Its energy level just goes through the roof. It practically becomes a Bradley Cooper yeah. movie at that point. So I mean, like it's it's one of those things that like you know, if we're talking really best supporting actor, yeah, he literally just comes in. It's like yeah, this is gonna be my movie for a little bit. Just like okay, move aside, fucking Alana Hain and uh, yeah, yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman's the kid. I forget his name. <laughs> Cooper, Cooper, yeah. Cooper. It's been a minute. Um, but Bradley Cooper really just took over. So, I mean, like, it's, I'm shocked that he's not fucking nominated over fucking, like, J.K. Simmons. Like, just, I guess fucking B. Um, Ricardo's had a good name. Bradley Cooper's last line of the movie. Uh, like, peanut butter sandwiches? He's rambling. So, it's, it's weird. And it's also funny about the duality of actors we were talking about earlier, where uh, I guess a real glow up for fucking uh, Siren Hines from coming up from being the villain of the Justice League movie, and he was just like, awful he was the main cgi villain he was the voice of it well that well i mean that was just an awful movie yeah exactly so coming from that and now he's a uh, best foreign actor so shout out to him that's good yeah and uh, he's back on track <laughs> and he was great but i i think troy Kotzer like kind of like captures the heart of coda and i yeah. do think he deserves to win especially out of these fives only mm-hmm. though although i've only seen two but let's move on to best supporting actress yeah we have jesse buckley in the lost daughter Ariana DeBose in West Side Story, Judy, Judy Dench in Belfast, Kirsten Dunst in The Power of the Dog, 
and Andre and Ellis and King Richard. So I, I would say I don't think Judy Dench belongs here. She's like not that impactful in Belfast. Like you think it's like a legacy vote right there? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um I mean, I think out of the ones that I've seen here, I, I would give it to Ariana DeBose. She like anytime she's on the camera, she steals the show in West Side Story. She was a great in that movie. She was a real highlight, especially towards the end when she was talking like right after what happened to her in the shop where she was talking to them all about that. Yeah. The monologue was really good. I guess people listening. Spoiler alert for West Side Story, a thing that has been out for decades now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the moment where she makes the decision to lie and say uh, Maria killed herself. Just, it's all just in her face and everything. And it's amazing. And, I, and I do think she's kind of the favorite to, to win. Um, Will, do you have anybody else that you would put in this position? I mean, not nominated. Not nominated. I would say uh, Choco Mira and Drive My Car. Yeah, absolutely. Just fucking incredible role in performance. And she also plays with the dog, which is always very in the role. And then uh, Catherine Hunter in the tragic Macbeth as the witches. It's, she is, I think, like closer to 70 years old than 60. Uh, and it's this incredibly physical performance. And it's, it's wild because it's like this is a role that has been played over hundreds of years and she just completely dominates it and makes it like her own thing. That's cool. That's cool. Um, I, mean, Jesse Buckley, I mean, I don't think she's going to win, but she did put on a great performance in The Lost Daughter um, as the younger version of Olivia Coleman's character. And I think the better parts of the movie were when she was the focus of the movie where she was interacting for kids. You can see her frustration on her face. You can see how much she's just pissed off by her kids constantly and it kind of felt to the point where, like, you're thinking at some points in this movie, like, is she going to try to, like, fucking try and kill these kids of hers? You know, and just, it was crazy. It was one of those things where you were watching, uh, and it just captivated you in a way that Olivia Cohen part of the movie didn't as much, so. Oh, great. Great. So let's just quickly go through Best Original Screenplay, Belfast, Don't Look Up, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, The Worst Person in the World. Well, think- so what are you thinking? I do, I do think this is where Licorice Pizza is going to win. Sorry, Tommy, I didn't. I was speaking before you spoke, but um, I, I think Licorice Pizza is going to win. Will, what, what do you feel like is going to win, or what do you think deserves deserve to be on the list to win? I'm betting. I'm saying probably Licorice Pizza. If I'm going with my heart, though, I'm saying the worst person in the world, best original screenplay, lock. Yeah, Licorice Pizza. If I decide. <laughs> Great. Best adapted screenplay. We have Coda, Drive My Car, Dune, The Lost Daughter, and The Power of the Dog. I feel like The Power of the Dog is going to win. I, I think Dune deserves to win. Being able to like literally adapt eh. a book as I shut up uh, as <laughs> dense and make it consumable for a wide audience. Just not really me. impressive. Well, yeah, it's because that's because you have the attention span of a two year old. <laughs> I think it deserves to win and i i would actually wouldn't be surprised if it does win also drive my car deserves to win too because drive my car fucking rocks but yeah anybody else have anything will do you have anything uh, on adapted screenplay that you wanted to add i um yeah will you go? Oh. yeah drive my car incredible taking literally like a short story and turning it into that kind of just really expansive 
it feels like an epic, although it's like such an intimate, emotional movie. Uh, but also The Last Duel by Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, and uh, Nicole Holof Center. Yeah. Just fucking great script. It's really like, I mean, people gave a shit because it was like medieval Rashomon or something. But it's like, yeah, no, that's what it, it is. is. Yeah. Tommy, uh, any thoughts? Um, I have to go with Um, you know, I like Lost Daughter, but it wasn't really that great. Uh, I've already said my piece about uh, Dune more than enough times, so we get to the point I don't really like it. Um, uh, Power of the Dog just really, in a way, just really compelling, where you're kind of wondering throughout the movie, like, what's going to happen to each of these characters, and they really keep a tense effect, and they really just show more than anything in the script just how much this one character is breaking down everyone's lives around him, so... Yeah, Power of the Dog. Cool, cool. Well, I think we just covered all of the major Oscar categories, fellas. Very nice work. Will, it was wonderful having you on. Thank you very much for joining us. I hope you had a good time. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah. Tommy, any any last thoughts, Tommy? Uh, just once again, uh, Dune sucks. And um, <laughs> we're follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SeenItPod. And yeah, thanks for following. Give us five stars, five stars. Oh, also, Alana Haim was robbed. Justice for Alana Haim. I agree with that. Also, uh, Tommy uh, likes to lick Tootsie Rolls and then put them back in the wrapper because he doesn't like Dune. That's what those people do. Yeah, that's, that's the Dune anti-club me that we do all the time. Where we're just like, how are we going to fucking show this movie this time? Yeah. So thank you all very much for listening before it gets too hostile in here. And I jump through the computer screen and choke Tommy out. Uh, I'm aware people. <laughs> you do. I hope you had a great time listening. I hope you enjoy the Oscars this weekend. I know all three of us will, and we will talk to you next week when we cover Josie and the pussycat dolls. Talk to you soon. <laughs>